to the book of Ephesians, chapter 5. We're going to be looking at two passages of Scripture. One is here in Ephesians, and another one is uh, in Colossians, chapter 4. We'll get there in a few minutes. But both of these places uh, utilize a phrase that Paul wrote in, encouraging the people to redeem the time. <clears throat> and that's, uh, that's the directive that the Father has really put on my heart for this morning. So Ephesians chapter 5, um, verse 15. See that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time because the days are evil. Wherefore, be, not, be you not unwise, but understanding what the will of the Lord is. And why don't we just go ahead and read Colossians chapter 4 as well, just so that we can get the full flavoring of this thought that Paul is bringing. Um, it says there, Walk in wisdom toward them that are without, redeeming the time. Let your speech be always with grace, seasoned with salt, that you may know how you ought to answer every Man, redeeming the time. This is kind of an interesting phrase because it's, uh, it speaks of being instant and it speaks of being selective because the terminology there is very clear and um, the time is the kairos and redeeming is, is a word that means to pull out of the agora or to select specific things. Like if you were going into the marketplace and you were shopping for something and you wanted a specific thing, you would go in there and not just buy the whole marketplace, but you'd pick selectively certain things that you needed. That's the term that's used to speak about redeeming. And uh, if you're redeeming the Kairos moment, that means a number of things. You are specifically... In order to, to redeem a Kairos moment, you have to be someone that is, um, that is committed to the Kronos. You have to be someone that is anchored in the overall timetable of God. You have to be somebody that's not reactive but proactive. You have to be somebody that is firmly grounded in His grace. You have to be circumspect where you recognize the, the panorama of what's going on, and you're not just bouncing from thing to thing. That'll wear you out and you won't, you won't gain anything. If you don't aim at something, you'll hit everything or you'll miss everything. And so in order to be someone who redeems the Kairos moment, you have to be devoted to the Father and you have to be committed in your relationship to Him. Otherwise, the Kairos is just the prevailing wind. And so when you're in a Kairos moment, you are saying that God is doing something at this specific season that is essential. It's crucial, but it's only going to last for, for a brief moment in his seasons. And so in that time, you have to be selective to, 
to, in the course of all that's going on in the Agora, you pick this or you pick that under the direction of God. And that that's the way God moves. And it reminds me, Mark taught today on the, uh, the Hebrew term pa'am, which uh, it was a really good and timely message. And it reminds me of what, years ago when we were looking at that, how we equated that word with the New Testament word kairos. And you remember uh, the, the teaching from this morning. If those of you who haven't heard it yet, it's going to be available on Wisdom Seekers. You saw that God touched Joseph, and God touched Samson, and God touched Daniel, and, and he spoke to the psalmist, and he gave those kinds of words, but it was a, a quickening. And, and he also created an atmosphere where Nebuchadnezzar's heart and Pharaoh's heart were, were touched, and, and it was a moment that God gave, and it was just a brief window of opportunity, but it was an opportunity that God chose. This is what we must select as, as pneumaticos people, as those that are precise in the things of the Spirit. If we just go out as an activist touching everything, we're going to wear ourselves out and we're going to flame out really fast. But if we strike when God's Spirit says strike and do the specific things that God shows us in the Agora where we're redeeming, where we're reaching in and grabbing this out and grabbing this out. Yes, there's all kinds of other stuff going on. There's all kinds of other nonsense. There are other things that can get us irritated and angered just as normal people or as Americans or whatever it is that we may be. But when we are sensitive to the Spirit, and we grab those things out that God says and act upon them, it will yield the precision of the Lord. And that's what Samson needed. That's why he was trained in that capacity from the time he was a little boy, because he was supposed to be a judge in the land. The problem with Samson was he, didn't really, he wasn't really anchored to a full degree as a representative of the covenant. Um, he, he responded more to emotion and toward the things that he wanted. And subsequently then, he, uh, he made some good things, but his unforced errors caused him lots of trouble. And so in this hour where we're to be redeeming the time, it's essential that we stay close to God, that we remind ourselves of his grace. We remind of the forward momentum that he has charted for us and we don't let anything, you know, see, think about this. This is interesting because this is the key to victory in the Lord. Know who you are in him. Know what he's called you to do and guard over that. There, there's going to be all kinds of flack that happens to try to tap you emotionally. All kinds of things that people do that you just think, oh, how did that happen? Why did that happen? But you've got to stay focused on his grace. You've got to stay focused on your identity in God, and you've got to be very careful to respond to the Kairos moment as opposed to the nonsense that's going, that, that's going on at any available time. You know, it says the days are evil. Redeeming the time because the days are evil. And there it uses that term poneros, which... Um, you know, if you take the, the two prevailing words, kakos and poneros, in, in, in the New Testament, kakos is, 
is more a specific directive about character or an integral identity. Poneros is just the spread of, of wickedness. It's, it's what's the prevailing factor. So you have Kakos individuals or Kakos influences that set in motion a mindset. And Poneros just spreads off of that. And, um, you know, we, we have to recognize that the days are evil. There are people that are marching under all kinds of different flags of inherent wickedness. They don't even recognize it. And, you know, you think, it's, it's amazing how momentum carries things. It's amazing how, um, you know, there's just so many foolish things that are believed. And again, I'm not touching on political parties. It'd be easy to say this. I'm just talking about, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to mention a couple of things that are just not only nonsense, but are, are thrown out there, and people are just ready to march around it. You know, this past couple of weeks, there was some statements made that if churches didn't get in line and speak politically correct, that tax-exempt status would be taken away. That was stated on a public forum. Uh, it was stated by a representative from here in Texas, and it was stated in the midst of national media, and not one person rebuked that. Not one person. And you know, I was listening to a gentleman who played in the NFL. He was on the news this morning, and he, he played for the Minnesota Vikings, He's an African-American brother in Christ, and he was, he was mentioning that. He said, I was stunned as a Christian that in this country, where, you know, my grandma and my mama raised me as a good Bible-believing Christian, and here is someone stating this, and there's not one word that says, no, that's not going to be. And, uh, you know, you could just go on and on with this kind of thing, but the groundswell of Poros ideas where people are just, that gross darkness that covers the land. Darkness is there and gross darkness. Um, we as shining lights need to be very careful because the days are poneros. Now, Paul had them 2,000 years ago. He said it then. And those were some really wicked days. Um, you, had, you had Rome. You had debauchery. You had the church, the, the fledgling church being attacked from so many different angles. You had heresies that were being spoken about and believed by many different people, twisting of visions and dreams. All of that stuff was going on during the times when Paul wrote this. And really, you know, Jerusalem was about to be destroyed. Um, you know, the, the remnants of the temple and the wealth of Jerusalem was going to be carted down to Rome to build the Colosseum. You know, all of that stuff was going on. There was a mindset of wickedness. It, it, all it would take would just be a touch point, a match to go off and ignite the whole thing. That's what Proneros is. And when you're in the midst of that, you're either going to not only keep your head above that water, uh, and function as a luminary, as a light of the Lord, or you're going to get pickled, and you're going to start believing all of the nonsense that's, that's, that's being said. 
we've got to rise above that. We've got to be better than this. So we can't give place to wickedness, and we can't give place to reactionism. We can't do that. If, if we give our emotions over to everything that ticks us off, we're not going to be sharp enough to, to redeem the time, to redeem the kairos. And this is what Paul's saying. It's selectivity. It's, it's telling people, especially the Ephesians, to be those champions of the kingdom that they need to be. And that's what we have to be in this hour. Um, you know, I, I was praying the other day and I was thinking about these types of things and just asking God to cause us to be um, people that are representing him and to, to, not, um, to not fail him. And I, I see Paul talking about this. Uh, he's pray, he says, pray for, pray for me. Here in this fourth chapter of Colossians, that as God opens these doors of utterance, I can speak the mystery of Christ and that I would, uh, it would be manifest to me what I ought to speak. There's a difference between what we ought to speak and what we are, have a tendency to speak. And so we've got to be really careful in these hours because uh, our words as pneumaticos people and as saints and as anointed sons and daughters are essential for what God is wanting to do in this hour, which is why our speech, verse 6, which we read, should, be, uh, should always be with grace toward the goal of what God's wanting to do and having them seasoned with salt. And that, again, we've taught on this in the past, but that is worth. That is what we have earned and become in God. Salt would, would have been the salary of so many in that era, and it was, it was prized. What has God caused you to gain as a measure of promotion and as a measure of worth by virtue of your faithfulness and your years of seeking him to where he's promoted you. Let your words be with grace, seasoned with the potency of that promotion. We must be that. And, you know, I, uh, I, was, I almost preached this morning about um, the poor and uh, the, the various times where Jesus addressed the concept of the poor in the New Testament. Um, and, um, you know, you have, you have the issue where Mary came and poured out the, 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 the fragrant aroma that was very costly for the Lord. And some of the people that were with him said, oh, what a waste. You could have used that to give to the poor. And what did Jesus say? The poor you always have with you. And I, I was recalling then when the rich young ruler came to the Lord and he was talking about all the alms that he gave and him keeping the commandments and all the things that he had done and what more do I need to be a representative of the kingdom? And Jesus said, sell all that you have and give it to the poor. Well, what was he saying there? Well, the next thing that he talked about was how difficult it is for a rich man to enter into the kingdom. And he was speaking not so much as a Waldensian principle where you just give everything you have and you become a pauper, but, but it was talking about a mindset of that man. Was he willing to surrender who he was in order to become what God wanted him to be? And I think that 
you know, even in our, in our world today, one of the things that tried to come against fringes of the network is that somehow we need to abandon the better thing and to become social champions. And I'm, the words of what we're called to do before Jesus is we're ministering to the Father. We're ministering to him. And we, there will always be issues. I mentioned the Waldensians, and we studied about them when we first started going into France. And there was a guy whose last name was Waldo. Where's Waldo? Uh, who lived in Lyon in the 12th century, and he gave all of his money away to the poor, and he founded this group called the Waldensians. And the French, the old French word pauper was what they described themselves as. And, um, and we bless what they did. But, you know, there's always the opportunity to do that. But in this moment in time, we are devoted to representing our Father. Now, if individuals come or if there are needs that come, we bless the people that come to us. And, you know, we, do you, I, don't think, I don't think we really recognize how we're fulfilling that principle of the rich young ruler every time we go overseas, every time we go into various places where we give everything we are. We sacrifice freely, gladly, what we are, our money, our time, for those that are poor in spirit, who are hungry. That is a devotion to God. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm so grateful for that privilege. But if you listen to the common theme today that somehow we all need to become Waldensian and we just go out and all we do is just reach out all over the place, and you, the, the poor you always have with you. But we are serving our Father in, in, in what I believe is the most crucial time period that the world has ever known. And um, I, I believe that what we do in this hour is partnering with our Father in these last things of Scripture. And yes, we, we meet people. You know, I was telling my family yesterday, and I'm really going down a rabbit trail here, but I went into uh, CVS Pharmacy yesterday. You know me in pharmacies. And so um, I, I'd been out on the, the pitch watching Coach Fabian guide his daughters on the field of conflict. And as Fran mentioned this morning, it's kind of like putting your foot in an anthill and watching them all run. And uh, that's what was happening out there. And they were happy. And Fabian was trying to direct those ants. And, uh, but I lasted about till halftime, and my nose was just flowing like a fountain. So I thought, I need to go and get some sinus stuff. So the long and short of it is I go into CVS, and there I met a, an, an elderly woman who I had known from going into that store for 20 years, and she was just standing there, and she said that she had just been fired from that position, and she, she didn't know what else to do with her life. She just comes up and stays in the store. And, and I was standing there talking to her, and I prayed for her and prayed with her, and I you know, I, I told her, I said, look, you're going to get in trouble if you keep coming up here. Uh, but, you know, and I gave her some pastoral advice. I said, 
what do you need to do? Do you have friends? Do you have family? And I said, you need to tell them these things. And she just stood there and wept. Now, I'm not saying that about, you know, oh, great me. That's not what I mean. But that's, that's ministering to the poor. That's ministering to somebody who doesn't have anything else who needs counsel. And um, I, I think that we all have those moments and those opportunities to do what we can. But our chief goal is to serve our Heavenly Father in the ways that he has trained and shown us in Scripture. And, um, you know, we, we in this moment are called to minister on behalf of what his throne is doing. And there are kairos moments that, that God has opened, rhema moments, as it were, to borrow from the scriptural depiction that God has prepared for that time. As Jacob said, the Lord was in this place and I knew it not. I did not move. And, and I should have. And, you know, I believe that God is wanting to hone our, our spirit so that we redeem those times. That we redeem those times. Because the days around us are poneros. There's all kinds of nonsense. There's all kinds of wickedness. There's all kinds of proclivity to, to do this and to do that. And you know what? If you miss one of those, don't worry. Tomorrow there'll be another one. And it's just always something. But the Kairos moments, we must redeem. And God gives them to us. It's interesting because I was doing another quick study on Kairos. And, um, you know, the, the, when we were growing up and we were all learning dispensational theology about the end times and, you know, we were studying the tribulation map and all these things, you'd get to the passage of scripture that speaks about time, times, and half a time. And, you know, just on surface, you'd say, well, that's three and a half years because time is a year, times is two years, and half a year is a half a year. And we'd come up with that until you look at it and you see what's really being said there. When God is redeeming his people, the first time is a term that is 100% 100% used throughout Scripture to speak about a place. It's either translated there, 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 uh, in this place. And, and so when God brings the church out in those end times, he, he's going to sustain them in a place. And then times is the plural of kairos. And God's going to do some Kairos things for his people there, and, and those that are living in that time frame need to be very sure that they understand how to redeem the times, whoever they may be. We may be watching from the throne. I don't know. There's no instance that says the trumpet's going to blow anywhere around there. So we don't know. Only the Father knows that. So we need to know how to serve him. And then the half of times means that there's another kind of a moment that's coming. It's a Kairos moment. It's going to be quick, and it's going to be really precise. It's not, and I've, I've studied about Kairos. Kairos moments kind of have a promised seal of fulfillment to them. And, you know, you begin to sense it's coming. You see the moment where you can get it, and then you gain, you gain the efficacy of it. Kairos moments have that same biblical principle. The half a times is going to be God's going to say it, and it's going to be done right then. 
Now, I don't know how this is all going to manifest, but how in the world we got three and a half years out of that? I mean, it's just reading the English text. But if you look at what's written there, it's God's redeeming his people, and he's going to keep them in that place, and then he's going to cause them to move in Kairos moments, and then he's going to take them out of that moment with a really quick sense. So, you know, whatever your dispensational theology is, the key point is, is that we know, need to know how to redeem the times. We need to know how to look at what's going on around and be wise enough to be wise enough to say this and this are the only things that really have importance in this Kairos moment. And, and, and how, to, how to gain that and how to function in it. Listen, God's beginning to train us in these ways, and we need to be sensitive to, to know. How do you do it? You make sure your words are always of grace, seasoned with the clout of what God's created you to be. And, and I, th I think that this is something that we're going to do this week. I think this is a Kairos moment coming. Yeah, similar things were happening a year ago and the year before that. But this is a time that God has chosen for us as his sons and daughters to strike forth and to do what he says to do and, and to proclaim what he once proclaimed. And we don't need to be, going back to Ephesians 5, we need to walk as somebody that is on on alert concerning circumspectly, all that's going on around us, but to know what God says to do. And we don't need to be foolish, not as fools. The fool will just not see God in any of it, because that's what the fool says in his heart. There is no God. You know, sometimes Christians can be fools because they don't look at what God is doing and what he's not doing. You know, the foolish virgins were those that weren't walking in the mysteries of God. That's what foolish meant there. They were moros. They were not functioning in the ongoing mysterion of God. And they thought God had lost timing and that he was delaying his coming. And they pretty much gave up and, and started to banter about in the oil salesmen that were around them. But the wise ones kept watching. They kept prepared. And when the Lord came, there it was. So we don't want to be foolish in either one of those regards. We don't want to miss what God is really doing, and we don't want to surrender that walk with him in his mysteries in this hour. So redeem the time, the days are evil. Do not be unwise, but understand, this is Ephesians 5.17, we read this, what the will of the Lord is. Now, how do you know what the will of God is? Well, here's a good way to know. You know who you are in him. You stay in close relationship to him, and you're sensitive to what he is saying. And you have an objective of grace. Usually it's the walk of faith, so it's not too far out. You, you know you're ultimately serving the throne, but you're doing what he says tangibly to do. You know, I remember so many times over the years where God was leading us as a saints network, especially regarding nations. And uh, I remember years ago, God said, and we're, we're speaking about this because it's happening right now, but God said, I'm going to open up South America. But that was 20 years ago. And, um, you know, if we had acted just on emotion or 
yay, yay, God just said this, we'd have been booking our flights to go down there not knowing anybody and being out of the timing of God. And then about a year and a half ago, God said, okay, I need you to go into the, where the European Union is, is really strong. You need to go there to Geneva and you need to minister to Latin people. You need to minister to churches that are more based from Latin American countries. Well, that made no sense at all. That made no sense at all. And I just have to be honest with you, it didn't please our Swiss host very much. But we did that obediently. And the next thing you know, God opens the door. It's like, kind of like years ago when we, when we felt we needed to send teams out and we need to pray about the way that French-speaking people had an impact here in North America and in the continental shelf, and um, we needed to ask God to, to bless the French-speaking people. Well, we didn't know any French-speaking people. That was the, you know, in retrospect, that was really a goofy thing for us to do, but we did it. And I remember coming back that first Sunday, and we had a, a brother that was sitting right back where Janice is sitting right now, and he'd been sent to give a report on what we were doing. And he, he sure gave a report to the fellows over in Hearst that we had gone, we'd gone round the bend. And that I was up here chanting, and, you know, I was singing in the spirit, but for him that was a chant. And uh, that we were talking about these uh, prophetic things that we were doing and how horrible that was. I'm just reading the box score. I'm not ripping anybody. This is just there. Somehow God preserved our sign. It was threatened to be run through with a truck on that morning, but there it was. And what happened because we did that goofy thing in that time? Well, God opened Western Europe, and God opened the, the uh, French-speaking nations of, of, of Western Africa. God did that only because we obeyed and redeemed the time. And, you know, who knows why God asks us to do what we... We could have said, eh, you know, we don't need to... We don't need to do any of those things. It's, you know, we don't want to offend the Swiss. We, we don't want to offend the brethren. We, you know, we, we don't want to go to, you know, to do these weird things about the French-speaking people. You know, we'll just pray hard about it. Maybe we'll find a missionary and give a good, our best offering toward that. No, God says, you do this. You obey, and I'll open the door. There are so many other things that God is asking us to do in redeeming the Kairos moment. And he's, he's doing it. He's doing it. But I proclaim over all of us for our nation in this week and in the days that are coming that we're going to be ever so sensitive to represent the kingdom of God, to redeem the times in the midst of this ponderous world, and to be faithful to the best of our ability to hear him and to obey him and then to see what he will do as a result of our obedience. I, I, I think about so many times in the Bible where God asks for those kinds of prophetic acts. Remember the time when the prophet was commanded to go into a specific city during a time of famine, and God said, I prepared a widow woman there to take care of you. Well, when he gets there, here's this lady. She's out gathering some sticks. And he said, what are you doing? And she said, well, I'm getting ready to make a fire here. If she was from West Texas, she said, I'm fixing to make a fire here. And I've just got this handful of meal. I didn't, you know, she wasn't carrying that handful of meal around her hand. But it was just a, just a pittance. 
And she said, I'm going to make this fire. I'm going to make this bread for my son and I, and then we're going to die. That's all we got. Now, how would God prepare a woman to do that, to feed this prophet with the last meal that you're talking to a mother here? You talk to a father, maybe that a little bit something else, but you're talking to a mother who's just got enough to feed her little boy and herself one last time. You imagine the emotion she was having in the preparation of that. It wasn't an analytical linear decision. This was a mother saying, you know, with probably tears streaming down her face, she's gathering pieces of wood to make one last morsel for her and her little boy. And God has prepared this woman to not only give to that prophet, but also to this prophet to go and take that from that woman. Both sides are, on the surface, egregious thoughts. How would either of them agree to that? But this was God. That was a moment. That was a timely offering. And both of those people had to be sensitive to God to hear that and to do it. Well, what happened because of it? <laughs> An amazing miracle happened. An amazing, uh, undoubted miracle happened. And the woman was miraculously provided for. The prophet was provided for. God does that kind of thing. We are going to have to be, and we have tried to be, but we're going to have to become more precise in this, not just in the things that we prophetically do, but in the statements we stand before the throne to declare. We're, we're going to have to be that type of person. It's kind of like that same prophet who was, uh, who was moved by the Spirit here and there, and the foreign general said, you know, I don't understand how we're not just obliterating these Jewish people. And, and the one guy standing beside, well, I can tell you how it is. There's a prophet over there who knows what you say in the bedchambers when you're making your directives to the generals. There's one guy over there who knows this. And he alerts the people of God, and they thwart you every time. This is the precision that God's commanding us to become as pneumatikos prophets, as pneumatikos sons and daughters. This is what Mark was speaking about earlier when the Spirit called him to speak about Pa'am, where there's a stirring in spirit. Every one of those is in spirit. And I believe that, you know, that base, as he referenced, of that deposit of the Spirit of God within us, there is a certain direction that God will give from that. And it's almost like it's written on the pages of, of his spirit within us that at a certain moment God will trigger that and it offers us the opportunity to step into the next point of service that we've been called to offer as judges, as sons in the land. I think that's something very unique. And it's, it's biblical, and it's what we need to be in this season. So I declare over all of us that we are those people who redeem the Kairos moments in the midst of an evil world. 
that we are directed by the grace of our Father and our words are seasoned with the potency of what he has allowed us to become as devoted servants. And I speak that we would not be unwise but that, or as fools, but we would always be confident in the fact that what he is doing is according to his eternal timetable and we are called to be representatives of that and champions within that in the days we're walking in. You're either going to overcome or you're going to be overcome. I don't want to be overcome. How about you? I want to be moving in him. So we've got to police ourselves. We can't elect to allow nonsense to take us out. We cannot allow things that people do or circumstances or our emotions in any way to put us on the sideline. We will miss the moment. God will still love us. He'll still give us another chance. But you know what? I want to I bat a thousand. I want a hundredfold return. You know, in baseball, you can bat 330 and win a championship. That means almost seven times you're not going to get on base out of 10. You know, I don't want to be 30%, 60%. I want to be a hundredfold return. How about you? We need to be precise. These days are not going to get any better. Darkness is continue to come in increasing ways, but God promises that his light will shine upon you. Amen. And, and I know that these are going to be exciting moments. Understanding this helps us. So you can, you can either be an activist where you just wear yourself out reacting to everything. Or you can be uh, an agnostic Christian where you just sit there and say, well, this world's going to hell in a handbasket. I'm just waiting for the trumpet to blow. I'm going to be out of here. All the rest of you are going to hell. But I'm going. God help us not to be that way. Let's be in the fight. Let's fight the good fight of faith. Let's do everything we can for our Father while he has given us life. Let us fulfill 100% of what he put us on this earth to do. And let us redeem the times. And uh, not be discouraged because the days are evil. Let's say, bless God, darkness is there, but his light is shining upon me. And I believe that God is going to do this in increasing ways. And as we hone that and embrace us, is embrace it, it is going to be a light that people will come to. It, 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 this is a way God's true evangelism is going to happen in the days that come. People are going to look to see where God is. Where God is. They're going to look for the man of Elohim, just as they did in the Old Testament and in the New Testament. And, you know, Jesus is saying, you know, the poor you have always with us. You can be an activist. You can be a social warrior. Or you can be a warrior for me. You can minister to those that I put in your pathway. And you can obey when I say do this or do this or do this. But you follow me. You follow me. I still sometimes think about the, the man who sat at the gate beautiful for 38 years. 38 years. This guy was an icon there at that gate. I don't know how many times during Jesus' life of 33 years uh, he passed by that guy. That guy was still there when Peter and John went up to prayer at the hour of prayer. 
and the famous silver and gold have I not, but such as I have give I thee. That was God's moment. That was God's moment. And we, we need to be really wise, and we need to keep focused on what God's called us to be because the battle is in the heavens. The battle is the Lord's, and we are, we are walking with Elohim as Enoch of old, and we've got to be sensitive for the palm of the Spirit to direct us and guide us to redeem the time. And this we will do. This we are doing. But we cannot allow ourselves to be befuddled by nonsense that the enemy's trying to, to uh, prevail upon the church to do. You know, before we close here, I believe that there are some things that God is wanting to do in your lives that is going to bring resolution in the next couple of days to specific things that have troubled you. I don't know what all they are, but you should be expectant of this. You know, there's one thing that the Lord spoke to me about that's been a really irritation, a great irritation to me uh, in trying to represent what he wants in our network. There's something that's going to happen today and the next couple days that's going to resolve an issue for us. And in one hand, I'm kind of sad about it, but in the other hand, I'm kind of happy about it because it saves me from a lot of irritation. And it's going to help us to move forward. But there's a spirit of resolution that's, that's going to resolve some things for you. Not everything, but just some things that are going to be taken care of that God's going to help you with. Rejoice in that and embrace it when it comes. And um, you are called to be champions. And I speak this to all of our network family who are joining in today with us. This is going to be a week where we speak on behalf of the Father and His throne be ready for it in the middle of the week. Prepare yourself for it. But in the intervening days between now and Wednesday and Thursday, expect God to bring some measures of resolution. And um, it'll, it'll relieve a lot of irritation that you've had. Only he could do it. And it's going to take away some stress for you. Um, so that's a good thing from the Lord. And I declare that over your lives. Amen? Heavenly Father, I thank you that you are so good to us, and um, it's kind of been the prevailing theme of the day, that you are with us, and that you are going to be helping us to step into uh, a greater precision in hearing your voice, and moving in the agora, moving in the scenario, as you would direct in these Kairos moments. Help us, Father. And with that, too, help us to know what to do when there's not a Kairos moment. We can become addictive to action and addicted to Kairos moments. And during those Sila moments, sometimes we can be our own worst enemy. Help us to walk with you in the valley there and to cherish the steps and to cherish the journey. Help us with that, too. But for the Kairos time that's coming, we're thankful. We're grateful. We love you, Father. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on this earth as it is in heaven. And we, we love you, and we ask these things in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen.